As the third Saturday in October approaches, we check in with our local experts to get the latest on Tua Tungabailoa's knee injury and Jarrett Garantano's breakout performance against Auburn's defense. It's October 15th. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. After six weeks, it seemed like injury or beating opponents so badly that he never played a fourth quarter all season were the only two things that could keep Tua Tungabailoa from becoming Alabama's third Heisman Trophy winner. So, of course, in Week 7, the true sophomore exits the Crimson Tide's 39-10 win over Missouri with a knee injury. Joining us now with more details is Travis Ryer of Bama Online. Travis, what is known at this point about the nature of Tua's injury and how likely it is to impact him going forward? Yeah, Connor, it sounds like it was an aggravation of the the, the knee sprain that he sustained initially against Arkansas two Saturdays ago. And out there at practice last week, you could see that he was working with a pretty sizable brace on that right knee and didn't seem to be impacting him much in terms of mechanics and and throwing the football and, and things like that. And then you get into the game Saturday night against Missouri and uh, you, you see him still with the brace on. Then he sort of transitions to more of a sleeve. Uh, then he goes down early in the third quarter again after aggravating that situation with that right knee. But, you know, after the game and as recent as Monday uh, following the game, we've heard Nick Saban say that, you know, it, it, it isn't a, a major issue for him. In fact, Nick Saban on Monday said that he thinks Tua is maybe in a better place this Monday than he was last Monday. So with all those sort of, um, contributing factors going into to what we're hearing and looking ahead to Saturday against Tennessee. It sounds like they're they're heading into the week anyway, thinking that Tua will be ready to go for the balls. Five regular season games left to go for the Crimson Tide, and they're likely to be 20-point favorites in all but one, maybe two of them at most. Is there any argument to be made for resting Tua now and saving him for the SEC title game in the playoff? Yeah. You know, I think um, that's uh, that's not exactly a, a totally bizarre sort of viewpoint, um, and, and partially because you have the luxury of having a guy with 28 career starts under his belt sitting there and Jalen Hurts. So, you know, I think that if it were even a question of whether or not Tua could protect himself or perform uh, at a winning level, um, the, the, their medical staff and and Saban and, and sort of even maybe if it involved to his family, you know, might come to that decision that, you know, let's make sure we get this guy uh, back to, to where he needs to be. But again, doesn't sound like he's all that far off. It's just a, a more of a pain tolerance thing that he's dealing with right now. Doesn't sound as if structural damage is a bigger risk if he plays. Um, but with the bye week coming up after Tennessee, if you can get through this week with him and look, you know, he hasn't played a fourth quarter yet. So uh, if he doesn't have to play a fourth quarter uh, in Knoxville on Saturday, you get him to the bye week, uh, and then you're able to, to really get him you know, closer to where he was before you go to LSU on November the 3rd. Whether it's something Nick Saban would publicly admit ever or not, do you think the fact that Tua is the overwhelming Heisman frontrunner at this point plays any factor in the decision-making here about whether to keep running him out there? Oh, I don't think so at all. Um, you know, if, if that were a part of it, they would let him play more uh, than he has. You know, he would be playing into the fourth quarter of games. So, no, I, I don't think that's that's a that's a part of the the thought process. And again, knowing that you have Hurts there, 
uh, a guy that, you know, has made the commitment to your team, Nick Saban wants to continue to reward that too. So, um, you know, and, and he's a proven player in Jalen Hurts. So, again, I go back to if if the injury um, in any way was going to impact his ability to, first of all, protect himself, second of all, produce uh, at a level that, that another quarterback on the roster can't, um, you know, the, the, the decision would, would be different. But apparently right now it, it looks as if and sounds as if, you know, they're confident in his ability to do those things. Now to go in a dramatically different direction with Tennessee coming up this week, Butch Jones is going to be a popular punching bag on Twitter and on message boards. And a lot of people are pouncing on that intern comment that Nick Saban made before the season. But what's your sense of what Jones's role with the team has actually been now that we're halfway through the year? From what I can tell, he's a, he's a, a experienced extra set of eyes. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure in terms of uh, big picture preparation, you know, Nick obviously is, is huge on that and he's staffed in a way in which he can have that luxury. So, you know, even if it's limited to Butch providing, you know, intimate details from a personnel standpoint about Tennessee this week, that has value to Nick Saban. So those are the type of things, you know, Butch can bring to you. Butch's game plan himself for a lot of the teams Alabama plays uh, or has played as well. So, you know, Missouri most recently, uh, last Saturday night, is an SEC Eastern Division opponent. So, you know, there's 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 uh there's value in information, and I'm sure Nick values uh, what Butch can bring to the table from that standpoint. And again, just an extra set of eyes out there at practice and uh, on game days. All right, Travis Ryer is a senior analyst for Bama Online. You can find him on Twitter at Travis Ryer. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Connor. Tennessee was a two-touchdown underdog heading into its 30-24 win over Auburn, but even more surprising than the scoreline might be Jarek Guarantano's career-best passing performance that earned him SEC Offensive Player of the Week against what was considered one of the conference's stingiest defenses heading in. Joining us now with more on Guarantano's development is Wes Rucker of Go Vols 24-7. So 328 yards passing, two touchdowns, and 10.3 yards per attempt for the redshirt sophomore against Auburn. It's a pretty big outlier when you look at Guarantano's performances so far in his career, especially against this caliber of opponent. Wes, have there been signs that a breakthrough like this had been coming? I think there were signs that a, that a breakthrough was possible. I, I don't know that that it you would have predicted Auburn being the opponent, and I don't know that you would have predicted it being quite as staggering as it was. But if you look between sort of – if you can look past the numbers and just kind of watch film of the way Tennessee's played this season, I think Garantano's played pretty well, to be honest with you. Uh, he, he's had some, some struggles in front of him with the offensive line. Uh, there have been a couple of balls on the ground that shouldn't have been. but And I don't think he's been perfect, but I think he's been a lot better than the stats ha- have showed. And – but, but to go out there against Auburn, a, a team that I think has a, a pretty decent defense, I, I think that the front seven is pretty impressive, and I think that uh, the Mississippi State game was a bit of an outlier because uh, rushing the ball against Auburn usually is pretty hard. But you know Fitzgerald and that offense there at State, that's a different that's a different thing. So uh, that's not shocking to me. But uh, 21 of 32, 328 yards, 
And it's not just that, it's the third down numbers. Because Tennessee was in third and long for a good portion of that game. And Garantano was 11 of 15 for 179 yards on third down. When you go on the road in the SEC against a, a kind of an attack-minded defense that's got, I think, a several pros on the defensive line, a couple pros at linebacker, that's that, that, that's really impressive. And, and that's something that I, I guess I, I thought it was possible that he could go out there and play like this, but, but maybe not to this level uh, yet, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and I think also the fact is Tennessee's wide receivers made some plays for him. You know, going into the season, I, I said to anyone who would listen, I said this Tennessee offense doesn't have a lot, and it struggles up front. But it's got uh, a running back in Ty Chandler who's really explosive in space, and it's got some really, really big, really physical, um, really strong wide receivers. And if you give them 50-50 balls, they should be able to gobble those up. So Tennessee played to its strengths on Saturday, um, and, and that helped Garantano, but a lot of that was him. Garantano was a four-star prospect and the number one dual-threat quarterback in the class of 2016, but two years under Butch Jones, redshirts the first year, and then last year as a redshirt freshman, one of many volunteers that struggled. Do you think that and – and then with Keller Chris coming in, I think a lot of people nationally at least were surprised that Chris didn't step in and win that job. Do you think uh, the change of coaching staff has really benefited Garantano, or is it just a matter of, you know – this being his third season in college and needing some time to develop? Well, I, I think that, that there's a, a change in coaching benefited just about everyone in this Tennessee program. Uh, it, it was something that was long overdue. Uh, just the psyche of this team was wounded. The psyche of this program was wounded. Uh, it needed a, a new voice, uh, certainly. And, and the fact that Garantano came in, and, and the, there were a lot of questions about just how well Garantano would maybe fit this system. Um, but I think that the thing is, yes, Garantano was rated as a dual threat quarterback prospect coming out of high school, but but he, does, he doesn't run like a Joshua Dobbs. He doesn't run like a Nick Fitzgerald. He's not that kind of guy. But what he does do well is he throws the ball out of the spread pretty well. I think when that's the system he's always played in, and I think that's something that the more you spread the field, the more he's going to be comfortable. Problem is that's not necessarily what Pruitt wants to do all the time on offense, and I don't know if that's what Tyson Helton loves doing on offense. So, But I think they've kind of found a nice happy medium here of spreading the field out and doing some things that Garantano's comf- comfortable with, um, but also just kind of showing the way that they want to play the game. And, and I think I've, all, I've always said this about Jeremy Pruitt. I think he is a practical man. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I actually think it's a, one of the best compliments you can give a coach. He's practical. He's not going to be so stubborn about wanting to do something that he won't do something else if it helps him. And by that, I mean that, that he has blended a little bit of what Garantano's strengths are. And I think one big thing they've let Garantano do this season is throw the ball over the middle of the field a little more. Butch Jones was always terrified of throwing the ball over the middle. Uh, he was scared of his own shadow in so many ways, but one of the biggest ones was he just did not like throwing the ball over the middle. He thought that's where a lot of tip balls, interceptions, uh, bad plays came from. Uh, and I think that, yes, Garantano did throw a couple of those really good passes to the perimeter uh, on Saturday, and that was a big deal. But he's done a lot of his best throws kind of down the field over the middle, and, and that's been something that they, they're they letting the players do what it is they do well. And that that's huge. And when you're learning a new system, when you're learning – a new way of doing things, a new philosophy. Uh, sometimes it, it's easy to sit there and just do what the coach wants you to do, um, and, and sometimes not for the coach to look at what you do well and let you do that. And I think that's that's one of Jeremy Pruitt's strengths as a coach. I think he's aggressive, but I also think he's practical. And I think that he's learning 
what Garantano can do and what he struggles with, and he's letting him kind of accentuate the positives. I think you've kind of hit on some of the reasons for it in, in your answer to that question, but uh, Garantano, I mean, five times as many yards passing uh, as rushing against Auburn. Sort of, I think one of the reasons this was so surprising to people was that's just not really how you think of a Nick Saban disciple setting up to beat an SEC opponent is 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 this kind of what you were saying there is taking what's available to them both personnel wise for Tennessee and what Auburn was giving them or like how 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 down the line do you think Tyson Helton will want to run his offense compared to where it's at right now well I think that it's it's foolhardy to only focus on what you do well and not what an opponent struggles with or what an opponent does really well and I think there will be times this season where Tennessee will be able to run the ball a little bit better than it was against Auburn. You know, you got to put yourself, don't think of this through Tennessee's lens for a second. Think of it through Auburn's. You know, you thought you had one of the better rushing defenses, one of the better front sevens in college football. You go up against a really unique quarterback and a really unique offense in Mississippi State. They run the ball up and down the field on you. The quarterback keeps it 28 times. As a defense, that's just humiliating. It's emasculating. It's not something that you enjoy going through. And so Tennessee... You look at that through Auburn's perspective. Going into that game, I always thought Auburn was going to shut down the run. I thought that Auburn was going to be just kind of angry at the world from that Mississippi State game. And I thought the defense uh, combined with Tennessee's offensive line struggles, I thought Auburn was really going to kind of shut down the run. So when you do that, uh, what you have to do is you have to say, what else can what else can I do here to, to affect them? And what you can do is you can realize, hey, Auburn plays a lot of man-to-man coverage. And if you're looking at it from Tennessee side, you're saying, hey, I got, I got a bunch of big wide receivers, big physical 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", kids, uh, 210 pounds, guys who are big, physical, jump well, can high point the ball. L- let's, let's push the ball downfield to them. Let's force Auburn to make plays um, downfield against the pass. And, and you have to do what, you know, a lot of times Saban can be practical on offense, but that's because when you have – so much talent, you can just kind of overwhelm people physically. You can just hand the ball off, and that's the path of least resistance, right? You just hand the ball to the running back, let them do their business, and they're just gonna they're gonna overwhelm the opposition. And Tennessee can't do that right now. It, it just can't. Not not against uh, most teams in the SEC. So Tennessee's gonna have to spread the ball around. They're gonna have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. There's gonna be some things they're gonna have to do. And I, and I think that. Garantano is not maybe I think I'm not saying he's he's unathletic because he is athletic he's he's a really athletic kid but he's not a great runner necessarily and he doesn't look to run uh, he he looks to to when he looks to move around he's looking to move to throw and they're they're kind of letting him do what he does right now and it's also easy to say that that he's been there at Tennessee three years and he has but you know, he was dinged up a lot of last season. He's a really, 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 really tough kid. That might be his greatest attribute. Uh, but he couldn't make it through the entire season last year. He, he got beat up. He got beat up a little bit this year. And he's not played as much football as you probably think he has. So he's learning kind of he, – he's settling into a groove. And, and he's learning things while learning a new offense. So there's a lot of – it was always silly to say that he couldn't improve. Um, the question was just when and how much. And – you know, progress isn't usually a straight line. So, I, and Tennessee's playing Alabama this week, so it could look really ugly. You know, I'd be shocked if it didn't. But I think the bottom line with Saturday is you've seen a pathway forward 
you know, for this program, for this quarterback leading this thing. He's a guy who, going forward, I think, can help them win some games. And, and I think that's when you recruit the number one dual-threat quarterback prospect in the country, you expect a guy to come in there and help you win games. And it looks like he's a guy who can help them do that. All right. Wes Rucker is a senior writer for Go Balls 24-7. You can find him on Twitter at Wes Rucker 247. Thanks, Wes. No problem. Happy to do it. The Morning Blitz is a daily podcast, so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning with the biggest college football stories of the day wrapped up in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. You can subscribe to The Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.